An uplifter is a compelling leader who tries to breathe life and hope into people around them. Who listen and care and guide and help. Whose way of being in the world inspires. Who uplifts with humor and understanding. Who leads by example. Don't judge. Vulnerable. Bold determination. Who are here to create a better world. Who can learn and teach. Who encourages you. Who shines their light to lead other people. Who uses their best self in order to help others. And the life that I liked and I worked toward that. We are all uplifters. Mwah, big love. Welcome to the Uplifters Podcast. I'm your host, Aranza Savas. And today I'm joined by my friend, Coach Sam France. In this episode, you'll hear how her own childhood, her mommy mentors, and others shaped her own mothering. But really, this episode isn't just for moms. It's for anyone who wants to be their best selves in their most important relationships. Sam, welcome. Thank you for being here. Hey there. Thanks for having me. We got to talk about childhood. Let's just start there. Tell me about what it was like to be little Sam in the world. Well, little Sam comes from a divorced parents and remarried by the time I was five. So there was, you know, togetherness and separated. And then when I was five, I lived with my mom and my stepfather and they moved out of town. So I started flying to Florida where my dad was by myself, who was remarried to my stepmom from the age of five or six, maybe on every school holiday until I was an adult and beyond. So I lived with my, like I said, my mom, and my stepdad and a family of five children. And I would go to Florida to my dad's house and I would be an only child with my stepmom. So childhood was chaotic. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you to have that vastly different experience in two different places. I used to say I had the best of both worlds. And I did. I love that idea of being able to be an only child and have the attention and be cared for. And yet coming out of the, the family in Connecticut where I lived with the, with the chaos family, it was a challenge going from sort of chaoticness to, to be feeling taken care of. It was, um, it was a disconnect. And I was, I'm an emotion. We're all emotional beings because we're, we're, we're humans. My emotions were definitely not necessarily being worked with on how to regulate them. They would just be explosive. And so that would be kind of like tumultuous to go from one space to the other because my emotions would sort of, I wasn't, I couldn't leave the chaos and go into the quiet and be like, oh, I made it. You know, I kind of get into the quiet and be like, oh, I'm chaotic, you know. And then when I would return home, I would miss the quiet because of the chaos. Yeah, it's sort of like those old science experiments, right? Where they put some liquid and baking soda into a bottle and then shake it up, right? There was all of this energy contained in that space. And then I imagine like trying to trap that chaos and feeling like there is the result, as you said, this explosiveness, this emotional human being who just wants to express, but having it to sort of contain it in that chaos had to have been hard. Yeah. And especially without, and listen, not that no one, none of us come with books. It's not like we birth out a book to go with us. So it's not like, oh, here on page 42, you do this. Here's the manual for raising Sam. Yeah. So it's not like there's any blame, 
But looking back, there was not the container of, I mean, my poor dad and stepmom were like, whoa. And then I come home, you know, with the emotions and they would deal with it. Their life is quiet, not raising a kid full time. And then come back to my house with the chaos and they'd be like, whatever, we're not even paying attention to you because it's fine or whatever, you know, so it's sort of just unparented in that way. It's funny. I always wanted to know what the right thing to do was. If someone could just tell me what the right thing to do is or just show me, right? I would that I always crave that. Mm-hmm. And then you became a mother. And then I became a mommy. And how well prepared did you feel to do that? Your daughter didn't come with a manual either. No, nope, she did it. My sister-in-law was the one who joked with me. That's where I got it from. She's like, when she, she was like, how are you doing? She's like, you know, they don't come with the, any manuals, you know? I was like, I know. You know, it's interesting. I don't know that I was prepared, but I wanted to have a child. I had wanted to get married. I wanted to have a family or at least try to be a parent. What did you do to start to become the mother you wanted to be for your daughter? Okay. Well, way back when, when I was in therapy, and I've been in therapy on and off since I was 16, so and I love therapy, I was given a piece of information around family curses that get carried down and how I might be at a place where I could stop my particular line of women family cursing. And so when I became a mom, that came right back up into my life. I'm not my mom and I'm not my dad, but I'm in the middle. So I kind of like went with that. Okay, like I'm going to parent sort of from here and do the best I can, which is, you know, challenging, of course, at times. Parenting is really freaking hard. And it's millions of tiny decisions. Often in an instant. Yeah, we don't get a chance to think through them and to strategize and to plan. We're just living and trying our best to love and support these little people. What was your guiding light? I don't have to take down this generational, you know, path that's been going on. I can be different. And that was a guiding force. Mm -hmm. And how did that go in the early years of parenting? Every stage you get to it, like, there's the beginning of the stage where you're like, yeah, I don't know what to do with this, you know? And then you get into the stage, you're like, okay, we're doing pretty good. We're sleeping, we're eating, we're going, we have a routine, it's great. You know, and by the end, you're like, oh, I got that stage down, it's great. And then they start all over again, right? So it's almost that patterning kind of started to take structure and be like, all right, every stage is a new stage, every stage is awesome. Mm-hmm. And what did you find to be the most difficult about being present and being true to yourself as a parent? The most difficult part was feeling lonely, right? Feeling like I can't take a day off. You know, I don't know if I'm proud of this, but I, it is true. I was voted class laziest in high school and I can't be lazy anymore. <laughs> like I can't, oh, I don't feel well and I want to watch TV for a little bit or do nothing. You can't do that, sweetheart. You have to be on. And then not only on, but you got to be like ready to go with the baby because they feel your energy. So that was really challenging and it felt lonely. What were those early teen years like for you? Teen time, the tween time. I mean, I read about it. There's this one book I really like called The Teenage Brain. 
that was just wonderfully helpful in terms of like physiologically what's going on and as to why they tell you they hate you or why they tell you that, you know, they want to do whatever or they tell you other things. So I had at least knowledge as to why that was happening in those early years, but it was a real challenge because it literally one day went from, mommy, can I have this dessert? And mommy, is this okay if I do this to, I'm doing this anyways, I hate you. And screaming, like just uh, voluminous screaming would go on. And that sets me off and that makes me scream and then we're all in it together. So that was a challenge. I was like ready to call the cops on her. I'm like, I'm going to call the cops. I don't know what else to do. That's what would be said to me. And my husband was like, what are you talking about? Like that's scaring her. And I couldn't comprehend that. I was like, what do you mean? I don't know what, I don't know what else to do. I'm lost. So it was like learning all of that in that time. It is so true. I think that in the times of transition, especially with our kids, that is where we are most likely to fall back to how we were parented. Because we don't have a playbook yet. It was an eye-opening moment. Like, oh, that's not the mom I want to be. Like, I know the mom I want to be. I know exactly who I want to be. I want to be the mom who understands that you're the kid and I'm the adult. And I give you space to pop off because where else do you have safe space but in your home to like grow and stretch and be uncomfortable and do that stuff. And I can contain it for you without taking it personal. And I can contain it for you with creating some healthy boundaries. And I can, you know, I can do that. I could, it was that moment of like seeing who I knew I could be that helped, yeah, move that sort of forward into those directions. And then that became my guiding light of like the mom. I I know, I I know the mom I can be. I know other mom, I'm a big fan of other people do it. If other people do it, I can do it. So I could see other moms that would do it and be like, I could do it too. So it was definitely that shift. It was a choice. It was really a choice. What were the moms you admired doing? Not taking it personal. No, not yelling back at their kid. Not the moms I admire would just like let it all roll off their back and know that no matter what, it's going to be fine. And yet at the same time, not dropping the ball, right? So like your kid could yell at you and you could you know, be like, all right, we'll talk about it later. But then, you know, that's dropping the ball, in my opinion, because and there's no right or wrong. And it's hard. It's not that. But the idea of like, when you do circle back, that is where the lesson is. Hey, by the way, 12 year old, of course, you're upset. It makes sense. You're 12. Your hormones are raging. And God bless your soul for everything going on. That said, when you do scream and yell, it's not fun to hear, right? You're not doing it on purpose. I get that. It's just something to keep in your mind as you work on it, as you go forward. Right. So like, that's what I, that would be the kind of mom that like, it's like you're allowed, you get space to be a mess. And I want to make sure we're contained in this space where there's boundaries. I don't want you to learn that yelling and screaming is okay, period, to get what you want. And so it was just like giving that space to be that, but then making sure I came back around and said, Hey, I just want to make sure we're clear. We all do that. And we just say, we're sorry. Hey, I'm sorry for being that way right now. I am feeling this way. I did not mean to dump on you. There's that repeat, right? Constantly. So those were the moms, like the moms that would just like, you know, carefree, easy flow, let it all go and have the best time. And so how did that affect your relationship with your daughter? It really gave me an opportunity to enjoy her and to play with the teen tween time rather than taking it so personal and gave me the start of practicing not taking anything personal at that matter. And it really, 
became a lot more fun because I could easily just be like, stop talking to me like that. That's not fair. But in that moment, that's not going to get what we, it's not going to get what we want. So it was, you know, it really allowed for me to participate. And that gave way for us to have a, a much closer relationship. I think a lot about for teachers, I suspect it's especially hard as a teacher to work in any classroom environment that is intentionally wired for the kids. So the PE teacher, the theater teacher, the band teacher, they're like getting these kids all amped up and then trying to somehow keep them contained at the same time. Whereas I think, you know, other classes are just quieter (laughs) and they're more intentionally contained. And so you don't have to try to contain a massive amount of juvenile energy while also creating it, which is just a bizarre tension to hold. But I think as parents, we're doing that a lot. We're like, be your full self and let's communicate about the effects of what that is and how that feels to me as a human being. And it's a lot to hold. It's a lot of paying attention. Yeah. So your daughter now has started college. And how has that been for the two of you? It's been good. I mean, the connection during COVID was so intense because we're just home together. So I would say the slow roll into college was sort of kind of coming from that, like slowly separating and giving her the information. It's a, it was a harsh one too. Oh, you're 18. You're on your own. Congratulations. You make your own choices. Bye. It's a very, it's like, wait, she's like, it was kind of, it reminds me of the opposite when she was like, mommy, can I have to, I hate you. Now it's like, you help shape me, mom. And it's great. And I can make my own opinions. It's been a slow transition, but I will say that after the first semester kind of came and got, you know, settled, the second semester was definitely more of a landing. Mm -hmm. And I'd say she definitely started thriving and figuring more out on her own. And the language went from, instead of me giving you everything, it's now for you to make your own decisions. But I am here to support you, honey. I am just here to be your biggest cheerleader, your support system, your sounding board. You know, I think we've achieved that pretty much for the most part with her about to be 19 soon. I think this is a reminder of something that we see in life in general, that it's really easy to see the transition as the thing. And so we can get caught up during that transitional period and feel like, ah, this is unsettling. This is confusing. It's uncertain. I don't know how to behave or what to do. It feels really hard. And of course it does because it's a transition. And it is the way it is going through that that gets us to what's next. And we use that transition to be uncomfortable and to find out what's hard and uncertain and confusing so that we can make things easier and more comfortable and aligned and confident in whatever follows the big transition. And I hear that kind of over and over as we journey through this story of your mothering that the transitions were hard and messy and you used them to formulate who you wanted to be in that stage of the journey. And you got to the next big transition. It was like, oh, this is chaos. 
going back to your original idea. Now let's see what we build out of this chaos. Yeah. What do you believe the best wisdom is that you could impart on a parent? Oh God, don't take it personal. It's so not about you. That for me has been the biggest lesson I take away as a parent all the time. Like just, I can hear myself take it. She'll, she'll do something. It'll irritate me. And I can hear myself being like, don't do that. And I try to, okay, let's pause sweetheart on the inside. Let's not take that personally. She's not yelling at me. Let's not take it personal. Let's take a moment just to pause and just instead of be reactive, be responsive. That is the biggest practice I do as a parent. And the biggest wisdom I've gained is like just being able to take that pause before reacting. And that gives you more space to play a little bit. How do you do that, Sam? I catch myself. I can, so she'll say something and I can feel it right there. And that's my sign. Oh, look, I'm annoyed. Don't say anything. Like, don't say anything in this moment. I can still be annoyed, but I don't need to yell at her. I don't need to say anything in this one moment because she's annoyed. So let's, okay, great. Talk about it later is a good one for me. We'll talk about it later. That's a great way that I don't react and I'll just respond. No problem. And then circling back later, that's the key I find more than anything. But I just really try to catch myself. And then I honestly just be like, let's not take this moment personally, Sam. It's not about you. It's not about you. And she's a great kid. And so leave her be in your safety of your home that she's having a moment. Give her a break. Give yourself a break. Yeah. And see what happens. And how well that would serve us in every relationship. I almost almost said, oh, yeah, this is really true for everyone who works in any sort of caretaker or caregiver capacity. And I was like, eh, it's also good for marriage and friendship and being parented. I guess it's just pretty good in general. Yeah, that pause. Right, pause. When I can feel that react, when I feel myself being frustrated, that is a sign to not react in that moment. Whatever it is, it's going to be okay in that moment. And if it's really bothering me, I could wait till it's so, and then figure out how to say it. It's what I've been trying to do now is be like, so how can I say what I want to say with loving kindness, thoughtfulness, empathy, compassion for them, for me? When it's authentic, though. Because I think what you're saying is I don't have to be compassionate and kind and sweet all the time. Sometimes things are going to get on my nerves and I'm going to need a moment to go and take care of me before I can parent this other person in the way that I want to or be present for this other person in the way that I want to. Yes, 100%. And then with whatever I did want to say, figure out how to say it through a lens of loving kindness. How do I want to be spoken to about that? If someone's going to yell at me, am I going to take that and be like, oh, okay, I heard you. No. But if someone says, hey, by the way, I noticed or this or whatever, we kind of have a nice conversation about it. That might sink, that probably will sink in a little bit better for me. So I'm trying to do that outwardly as well. So like, yes, I'm, of course I'm annoyed. You're allowed to be annoyed. We're human beings. Duh. But reactive in the moment with the annoyance, is that going to get me what I want, which is for you to stop yelling at me? No. Huh. But I can easily say, hey, I'll just talk about this later. Fine. No problem. I hear you loud and clear. I understand you're upset. I make sense. Let's just talk about it later. 
And then that is a way to diffuse it because I can feel myself being so excited. So diffuse, diffuse, diffuse. And then when it's calm, circle back around and figure out how I want to communicate it. The other thing you did there that was super smart is you said, I hear you. I hear you. Of course. So you acknowledged and validated your child in that moment of her intensity before creating that distance. Yes, because it's normal. You're a human being, of course. Bless you. You you should. You Of course you feel that way. Who wouldn't? And yet, let's just talk about it later. Mm-hmm. Right? Not trying to dismiss you or your feelings or your experience. I definitely, we're all humans, get it. But if I'm if I feel reactive in that moment that I don't I want to disengage. I give you your face of whatever you're doing. We'll just talk about it later. Mm-hmm. Talk about it later. Talk about it later. It's also though, I think, just to reinforce something you said that was super important. You said, but you have to come back to it. Just saying, I'm gonna come back to it and not doing that, that only makes it worse. That that takes away from any trust that might be built from there. So the key here is to acknowledge and validate, to create the space, and then to actually come back to demonstrate that you genuinely care. Yep. That's the key, I think, to parenting that is hard or is like, don't forget to circle back. It's like, remember, you got, you remember you want to circle back so that the next time that experience happens, there can be a different way of playing with it. Because you circled back and you laid a different foundation and you shared or whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. That learn it's that that habit, that learning lesson, right? That how you build a habit kind of concept. So yeah, 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 yeah. It's really important. To, I think one of the most beneficial things as parents we can do is circle back to actively participate in your child's upbringing in terms of giving them con- not constructive criticisms and just healthy boundaries. Hey, people are not going to necessarily be react- or going to want to hang out with you if you yell at them. But it makes sense that you're yelling and screaming because your hormones are raging. Mm-hmm. Of course, but... Your hormones are raging and you're having a true emotional reaction. I like have a little bit of a resistance to just blaming things on hormones. Fine. It's true. No, and you're having a human experience. But yes, you're having a human experience. Yeah. yeah. But it's just, what do you want to get out of it in that moment? Right? Right. And when you circle back around, when it's quiet, it's funny. I do the same thing. Sometimes I want to ask my daughter to do something for me or I have a thing. And I'll say, hey, do you have a minute? And in that answer, I could hear if I should keep asking or if you're like, you know, we'll just talk about it later. Because that might not be the time that she's going to be receptive. Or I could try and she's like, no, I don't want to. Okay, great. And then you know what? A week later, I'll try it again. She's like, oh, I'm in a good mood. Sure. I can do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Not because I want to get it done. It's like, where are you on it? And how can I give you, you know, I'm the parent. I am the parent. I'm a big fan about being the mom and not the best friend. Mm-hmm. In that way. Like, I'm your mom. And you're a human being who wants to be liked. Connection matters, right? Right. And so, I mean, I think the urge to be the best friend comes from a good place, right? It comes from a love. It comes from a very human need. Yes. And what is the risk? I, I mean, my risk is like, you have, you can have a bazillion best friends. You have one month. I am here to help support you being the best version of yourself. Healthy boundaries, active participation for my, like where I can come back. But I would expect, it's almost like, I don't, I don't even care if you like me or not. I just want us to have mutual love for each other because we're, because we're connected. 
So you might not like me. I might not like you at times. I don't really care. I care though. At the end of the day, the foundation is like, I'm your mom. And I am always going to be the mom and not your best friend who's going to tell you whatever you want to hear. Go talk to your friend if you want to hear what you want to hear. She'll tell you everything. But I'll give it to you straight. Mm. They don't want to sugarcoat it a little bit. But that's what I mean about loving kindness. Like speaking in a language that we can have a connected conversation as opposed to me like telling you what to do. No one wants to be told what to do. No. No. So. No. It just creates resistance. Even if it's in our best interest to listen. Yeah. And I just mean for like almost the tween teen time, like the younger ones is different because obviously there's a different parameter of how you parent them. But yeah, just sort of keep trying to, yeah, keep trying to shape and not take it personal. And, and almost, it's almost like after I read the book, The Teenage Brain, I, I started to brainwash myself being like, every time she yells at me, remember, that's her being normal. And if she didn't yell at me, I should be worried. Mm-hmm. So like tell, being authentic, telling the truth, not trying to sugarcoat it or change it, but working with it. And when you talk about getting support for parenting, part of it is reading trusted resources, listening to podcasts, collecting information about what is normal and what isn't, and allowing ourselves to <laughs> to see beyond our own individual experience while also being present and aware to what our child individually genuinely needs. I also find that in my experience, my kids are best when I create space for them to tell me what kind of parenting they need. And so in those retroactive conversations after a challenging or intense moment to say, so what do you need in those moments? How can I support you best? I get the best freaking insights about how to meet their needs to parent the kid I have when we come back with that question. Other than versus assuming I know how to parent them. No, and it's even different in different ages and stages, right? So whatever the answer is today might be a different answer next week or two months from now or a year. But to check in, So as we start to wrap up here, what do you believe is most important to remember from this conversation? Parenting is hard. Just to like play with it and almost enjoy the challenge, I'd say would be the hardest and most exciting thing to do at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said. That makes sense. Yeah. When we're talking about something that often feels like it makes no sense, I think that's an accomplishment. So my friend, Sam, let's just uh, close out here as we often do with a couple of quiet moments of reflection with ourselves. I will invite you all out there listening to just take one hand and place it on your heart, one hand on your gut, and to really tune in to your experience of parenting or relationships and ask yourself how am I now in my most important relationships and as you hear a little whisper from yourself of what that answer might be. Maybe ask yourself, 
What needs are being met right now? And maybe what needs are not met? We always have met and unmet needs and they are directly related to our emotions by getting curious about our emotions and our needs we open ourselves up to a greater understanding of ourselves more grace and we empower ourselves to ask for what we need to set ourselves up to be who we want to be even in the most challenging situations. Wherever you are, I hope you'll just take a nice, deep, cleansing breath. Thank yourself for getting curious for a moment about how you are and what you need and letting those quiet little voices that come to you be your guide and what to be or do next. Sam, thank you for sharing your story, your experience. Thank you for being my friend and for teaching me so much through your life and your parenting. For those of you listening, we'll share lots of links on theupliftherspodcast.com so that you can find out more about Sam and her work. And we will be sending out, as we do every week, a few little email newsletters with questions to consider more on some of these ideas that you've heard and more ways to connect with Sam and the rest of our beautiful, wonderful Uplifter community. Thank you for listening to the Uplifters podcast. If you're getting a boost from these episodes, please share them with the Uplifters in your life and then Join us in conversation over at theupliftherspodcast.com. Head over to Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast and like, follow, and rate our show. It'll really help us connect with more uplifters and it'll ensure you never miss one of these beautiful stories. Mwah! Big love. Painted water sunshine with rosemary and tongue. Dwell in the perplexing, though you find it vexing. Toss a star and hover, be your own best lover. Relish in a new prime, plant a tree in springtime. Dance with that old hindsight, bring the sun to twilight. Lift you up, whoa. Lift you up, whoa. Lift you up, lift you up, lift you up, lift you up, lift you up.
Taurus, uh, right? Uh-huh. I was like, <laughs> 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 Mommy, stop crying. Mommy, stop crying. You're disturbing the peach. 